Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Faces of TBI podcast series, the number one podcast for brain injury and concussion resources. I am Amy Zellmer, founder of FacesofTBI.com and your host. Today, I'm going to be talking with Amanda Evans about how the heart can heal the brain. This episode is brought to you by Integrated Brain Centers. Located in Denver, Colorado, Drs. Shane Stedman and Perry Maynard are experts in functional neurology and treat complex concussion cases from around the country. With over 20 years combined experience, they are leaders in helping patients who are suffering from post-concussion symptoms, including dizziness, vertigo, headaches, and more. For your free consultation, you can find them online at integratedbraincenters.com. Hello, I am Amy Zellmer, and you're listening to Faces of TBI, a podcast series for survivors by survivors, raising awareness about traumatic brain injury, one podcast at a time. Those of you who might not be familiar with who I am, I am a TBI survivor from a fall on the ice in February of 2014. I'm a frequent contributor to the Huffington Post, Thrive Global, and the Goodman Project, and I am author of Life with a Traumatic Brain Injury, Finding the Road Back to Normal, available on Amazon. Additionally, I'm editor-in-chief of the Brain Health Magazine, and you can grab your free digital subscription at thebrainhealthmagazine.com. You can learn more about me and the podcast series at facesoftbi.com, and you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Amy Zellmer. And also, don't forget to join my private Facebook group, Amy's TBI Tribe, to connect with other survivors, caregivers, and loved ones. Today, my guest is Amanda Evans, and Amanda has worked with families supporting children and adults who are energetically sensitive and often misunderstood, being given labels, and she believes in letting go of the labels and believing in what can make, it, make the impossible possible. Amanda is passionate about sharing her story and allowing her own words to touch someone else's heart, invoking a sense of hope and belief in what is possible. So welcome to the podcast, Amanda. I am so thrilled to have you here today. Hi, Amy. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be on the podcast, too. Yeah, well, I am really excited. Um, I think, you know, this is going to be a really wonderful conversation today. Um, You know, the whole concept of how the heart can heal the brain. And, you know, we'll explore what that means to you and how others can, um, you know, take what you say today and hopefully apply it in in their own lives. But Amanda, I would love to start by having you share with us um, your story and how you came yeah. to working in this brain injury community. So that's a long one. <laughs> just like everyone. Yeah. <laughs> the cliff notes. Um, but it really <laughs> did come from like my brain injury and my journey to healing. And it was messy. And I say messy as like a part of how I got to understanding how I healed now is by understanding all the things I tried that didn't work. <laughs> and I feel like being a sensitive person. So my accident, Mm -hmm. I had a car accident. And my car accident happened when I was 20 years old. It was in 2012. And I, like, sustained a mild traumatic brain injury. So it was, like, 
we call it mild, but I still laugh when anyone uses that word. Yeah. It changes everything about you. Um, Yeah. It needs to just um, go away. (laughs) Well, it just needs to go away (laughs) because it's big for anyone. It just shifts everything. Um, But after that happened, and I was one of those people who like didn't get the diagnosis right away. Uh, It was like, oh, well, you have a headache and (laughs) take some Tylenol. (laughs) Maybe that'll get better. (laughs) And what really became apparent, though, is that the symptoms started so strong of, like, the memory impairment and all of the cognitive stuff and just the inability to really speak what was true in that moment of, like, express what was going on for me was the barrier for me getting the support that I needed which I feel Mm -hmm. like happens a lot with brain injuries. And so throughout, I would say probably like the next year or two, I saw just about like everyone, like I'm sure so many people on their journeys have, of like being referred from one person to the next, to the next. And what was so hard about all of those appointments was that I couldn't ever fully verbalize what I was actually experiencing. So if I can't find the words, it's kind of hard to get what I need to support me. (laughs) Right. And right. Um, And I laughed because this morning I listened, actually I listened to one of your podcasts and it was speaking about the neuropsychological assessment, which I have mixed feelings about as well. (laughs) Yeah. But I speak (laughs) to that because, I, like, saw everyone. I was doing all of the medical route, and I was also, like, getting acupuncture and Botox for chronic pain and, like, seeing all of the osteopaths, naturopaths, like, everything you could do. And I speak to the sensitivity because oftentimes when you are living with chronic pain, which I was, like, there's, like, daily headaches, and I was exhausted all the time, and it was, like, I was trying to be in school at the time. So trying to do all of that, it was just, like, everything was getting worse. And oftentimes when I would go to the doctors or I would go to a specialist, they would just keep prescribing medication or things to, like, add, which I realized that because I was so sensitive – Anytime I would try anything to help, it was just it, everything was exacerbated. So my symptoms would actually get worse. So I really didn't want to be on medication. And I also was definitely extinct, like the, the psychosomatic stuff. And just the when your life changes so drastically, like mine did, I, I was definitely depressed and even more anxious. So it was, it was hard because I had this dream. So I think I'll start there. I had a dream since I was a little kid, that I wanted to be a teacher. <laughs> and that's kind of how I got into what I do, because I love kids. It's my happy place. It's what gives my life purpose. And I was in my second year of university when I had my car accident. And having a brain injury, we know it's, it's hard to learn and take things in, especially when you have impaired short-term memory. And so after that, I had to take time off to learn how to learn again with my impairments the way they were before going back to school. And I went back, but it was like my whole life became school because that was all I could do. Because after doing any small task, I was so exhausted and I was in pain with every little thing. So I speak to the sensitivity because 
I was just sensitive to everything after the brain injury. I was sensitive to sound. I was sensitive to light. But what was most interesting is I was super sensitive to emotions, not just my own, but other people's. After my accident, there was this joke that, like, in my home, there was a rule that nobody was allowed to be angry or fight because if they did, I would be in so much pain. So I just realized how sensitive I had become. And kind of through my journey, I wasn't getting any better, which I know was similar in your story, too, and you had people tell you that you, weren't, you had kind of plateaued and you weren't going to get any better. So... I think I have a lot of clarity looking back at my story now, but I remember it was the two-year mark after my brain injury, and I had done probably like three or four neuropsychological assessments by, by that point, and I was not experiencing any improvement. Like, my symptoms were still as bad, and they were kind of just getting worse because the stress was improving, and the stress of just, like, not living the life I wanted to be living, not being able to spend time with people that I care about, like basically like living in a basement doing schoolwork because that's all I could do. And then I'd go to bed at like seven o'clock at night in order to do it all over again the next day. So it seemed that just trying to live and manage all the symptoms, I just wasn't getting any better. And cognitively, I was told, I remember I was told in this neuropsychological assessment that cognitively I had plateaued. And that there wasn't much hope that things would get any better from that point. And for me, it was like that was the thing that, like, belief made having hope just impossible for me. So Mm -hmm. from that moment on, it was like even though I still continued to try, like, whether it was, like, like neuro stuff for my vision or like other approaches to the pain or like I saw multiple psychologists and like just basically everything. But even though I was trying all those things, there was this belief in me that what was the point? If I, if I did these things, was there any hope that it might actually work and that I'd get better? And so part of my journey was that, you know what I kept just trying everything while being at school, while doing all those things, and and just really not living much of a life. And I eventually achieved my dream. I graduated university a little like later than I had planned because I took a lightened course load and just did it at the pace that I could. And once I got that dream job, I could not stay in it. <laughs> So I know a lot of people, especially teachers, oftentimes after a brain injury, they're unable to go back to their job. And, and it really is with all those symptoms and the sensitivity and it, the, like the short-term memory, it was just impossible. But I felt like after all those years of trying to manage and cope with the symptoms under all that stress and that like all those feelings that were really underneath the surface that I didn't let myself fully feel because you know what, I feel like sometimes when we go through this, we're just like, well, this is my new reality. I have to cope with it. (laughs) And I'm going to do the best that I can. So that was kind of my take to it. I'm like, you know what, I may not be able to do all these things, but I can do this job and it's something I love. So I'm going to make it happen and I'm going to get there and it's going to be great. But that was kind of like, it just imploded because my body and my brain had just had enough. And that was my rock bottom. 
And I see that now is the moment that things eventually turned around for me because now I like to say that, you know what, in a rock bottom, there is no other way but up. So eventually it went up for me and I was led to different practitioners. And I remember really not wanting to see any of them. I was pissed off at this point in my journey. I'm like, well, if I'm not going to get better, why am I seeing anybody else? And I was led to people who, like, I see as practitioners who really approached it as, like, a healing team. And that that was kind of when my healing journey, in a sense, began of realizing that I just needed somebody to believe in something other than the I'm never going to get better story. Because if I was continuing to believe that, I never would. And so I still continue to see people, but what I eventually learned from them is that they started to see me as a person rather than a problem to be fixed. Because I think sometimes when we have a brain injury and we go from appointment to appointment and like, I don't know, I think there's something to be said about just like your self-esteem at that point of like all the things that you thought were you and that brought meaning to your life, it's like they aren't there anymore when you lose those things. At least that's how I felt after I couldn't do the job that I loved anymore and after I had spent so many years not being able to just be social and be with the people that I loved that I felt like I had nothing left after that job. And, like, really I felt like I was broken. Like, that was the feeling. And I remember meeting these practitioners who I just, I was a person to them. And they helped me to learn to see myself again and learn to finally start doing the things that I loved. But more than anything, they never gave up on me. And they believed so hard that I could get better that I'd eventually changed my belief. Because in a very synchronistic way, I was led to a neuroplasticity program. So I know that's big now in healing the brain. And I believe in 2012, you know what, we just didn't know enough about the brain. And some practitioners did believe that after two years, you had plateaued. I very much so don't believe that anymore. And, And, you know, I'm I'm just going to stop you right there. And, you know, this whole, like, telling patients, this is as good as you're going to get, or there's nothing we can do for you. And it's still happening in 2020. Mm -hmm. And it's like, see, that just breaks my heart. A hundred percent. Yes. And it's like how, you know, as a practitioner, Mm -hmm. especially like you go to a neurologist, they're supposed to know about the brain, right? Well, you know, I've come to learn that they, they don't really like brain injury isn't their thing. They're dealing with Mm -hmm. MS and dementia and other neurological diseases. But, but you know, your GPs, your, your therapists, I mean, like there's just so many practitioners out there that are just telling us, you know, Mm -hmm. well, it's been a year, there's nothing more we can do for you, or there's just in general, there's nothing we can do, you just have to give it time. And then that eventually leads to it's just in your head, you're just imagining it, symptoms aren't Mm -hmm. really from a concussion. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, all of that leads to 
anxiety and just emotional distress for a patient. And there's no way to get better when you're living in that environment. And, and, you know, it's, it's, um, it's so heartbreaking to hear people's stories and, you know, I hear it over and over and over again. It's the same story and, you know, same story, different day. Right. Um, yeah. And it's, it's just like how in 2020, how are doctors, you know, still addressing patients like this? And, you know, I think you're right. Mm-hmm. We're, we're just a number. We're just a cog in their wheel. They just have to get through their day. Um, you know, they're, basically taught to like find a medication to help the person and so that's Mm -hmm. how many end up on antidepressants or Ritalin or pain meds and um, you know you mentioned you did Botox they they wanted me to do Botox and I was like okay no how how is that going to fix me that's just going to cover up the pain like that's just a band-aid and it's a band-aid right yeah mm -hmm. Yeah. So, you know, I think you're so right with this whole, just having a doctor validate you that alone um, Mm -hmm. is profound. And for me, it was two and a half years to find the provider, you know, I found functional neurology. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, it took two and a half years to get there. But within like, 10 minutes of being validated it was just like oh my gosh I can get better um and Mm -hmm. and and so just just shifting the language is just so important and has such an effect on you know our emotional our mental well-being so you're you're definitely you know on to that with that and it, it makes me so sad how often this is happening I mean I have 10,000 people in my Facebook group and I bet you 99% of them have been through this whole same, mm-hmm. like they're totally nodding their heads yes. and relating to everything we're talking about. Um, yeah, so, for sure. So for you, you know, you, you did finally end up getting yeah. to a doctor that understood you and mm-hmm. um, was willing to help you. And you know, as that shifted your recovery, how did you know that this, like, at what point did you know that this is what you wanted to do to help other people? Well, okay. So I help people through play. And I say that because I heard this quote the other day and it reminded me, I'm like, this is how I healed. It was a quote about how the body heals when we're not looking at it and how, when we're constantly looking at the problem, we get more of the problem. And so that's kind of what happened. So even though I had these great practitioners, I was seeing them all the time. And as I was seeing them, I was just developing more and more problems. And I started to do this practice, which was about neuroplasticity. And it was really about, I loved how you spoke of the power of language and our words, because it was very much about that. But instead of looking at the problems to fix and going to appointments to appointments, it was in the power of visualization. And this is where the heart comes in. So part of how I healed was no longer looking at the brain. It was, it was using the power of my mind and my heart to heal. And so I was like taught this beautiful program and these practices of 
visualizing. So really like speaking out loud a story of future me. Because in present me, I couldn't do any of the things I loved. I couldn't be with the people I loved. And I just couldn't really join in life. So I needed to first believe it in my mind while feeling the feelings of how it would feel when I'm in that scenario. And at first I was like, okay, like I only believed that this was possible because I saw the stories of other people and that it worked for them. So I'm like, there's something to this, even though it sounds a little woo woo and I really don't know. But that was when I got into like Joe Dispenza and reading all his books and other stories that were similar of people who had visualized and felt the feelings and then their life changed. So that's how I healed was by continuously doing this practice, which was about the power of my words, which was using affirmations of like the thing that I was going to focus on about how I was going to feel. So maybe example, if you um, are really tired or have like chronic um, just fatigue, because that was a symptom for me, maybe for that month I would be like, I'm feeling energized and I can go anywhere I want. And so there was an element of that, but it was really visualizing myself and telling that story until my body could believe it. So for instance, the reason I speak to like why it's so important to do what we love and like play in fun is because when we're focusing on that, we're not focusing on the symptoms and then our body can heal itself because what I'm sure every brain injury like survivor has learned through all the learning they've done and seeing all the specialists and appointments is that we have our sympathetic nervous system and our sympathetic nervous system. So when we're stressed, we can't, our body can't heal itself, and that's when our sympathetic nervous system turns on, and often that happens after trauma. But when we are engaged in something we love, our parasympathetic nervous system can turn on. And oftentimes, like the neuropeptides and chemicals in our brain and body that are released when we're like in love or doing something we love are dopamine and oxytocin and serotonin and endorphins. And these neurochemicals allow our body to heal itself. And that's when our parasympathetic nervous system turns on. So part of this visualization was like the first one I ever did was going back to a moment where I met this baby girl who's like a big part of my life and just imagining holding her in my arms and the love I feel for her and just the joy of that moment while describing this out loud, I burst into tears, but it was this feeling of overwhelming unconditional love that I felt something in my body shift. It was like every day I had been living in this constant state of fight or flight and stress. But in this moment, when I was just living in this pure, unconditional love, something in my body changed. And it was through feeling that feeling and going to those moments every day and sending that, those like healing feelings and energy that I was able to feel in my heart to the parts of my body that were sick, eventually allowed it to heal itself. And it kind of like, I use the word magic because I can't describe how I healed. For over five years, I was not getting any better. 
And then I started this and I was like getting better really quickly. Like all of these symptoms that I had were dissipating really quickly. And it like got even weirder because the things I was visualizing. So I visualized like having a birthday party and being out in public and being able to socialize with my friends because that was something I couldn't do at the time. And feeling it as if it was happening right now and like just feeling the gratitude and the joy and all of that. I eventually ended up being able to do that without the pain. But the weirdest part was it was like everything I had been visualizing just started happening. And I reached a point in my recovery where I realized the only thing that was keeping me sick was going to the doctors and my specialist, that I had no pain, no symptoms, except when I would walk in the door to one of my appointments. So I kind of realized that I needed to like let the appointments go or anything that was associated with my sickness because I was finally living and that was the point. So why I do play therapy now is because I feel like oftentimes when we have a brain injury or when we have a label, our whole lives are about fixing the problem or about going from appointment to appointment And when we're constantly living in that state and going from appointment to appointment, we're never able to heal because, not always, but if if we're stressed out by that process, or if you're a child, for instance, and your parent's looking at you that way, then it influences our ability to heal, whereas this approach of play. So during the time I was healing, I decided, because I couldn't go back to my job, I needed to do something I really loved. And so I ended up spending time that year taking care of, like, this one-year-old at the time. And because that was my thing that made me happy. That was the thing that lit me up. And so while I was taking care of her, my focus wasn't on my symptoms. It wasn't on will I ever get better. It was this, like, utter joy and love that was within me that was part of how I healed. And so I think that when we can tap into the things we love, it creates the space for our bodies to heal. And that might be starting with visualization because when you have a brain injury and, or a post-concussive symptoms and what's associated with that, you might not be able to do the things you love. So it might start with just visualizing them or drawing them out or doing something that is you taking that next step to believe that that's possible, but to really feel the feeling as if it's happening now. And then kind of what happened for me is eventually I was able to start doing those things. So that's, that's kind of part of how I healed. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's so powerful um, visualizations and affirmations, Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, the funny thing is the, the posts that get me the most like yeah. mean emails are the ones mm. where I'm posting about positivity and, and people will often say, well, after a brain injury, it's hard, it's impossible to be positive. And, and, you know, it's like, no, that's a choice you have a choice to make. You can either be positive or you can be negative. And it's a lot easier to be negative. It takes work to be positive. And, mm-hmm. you know, so, so, so I understand the whole, it takes a little more extra work and energy to be positive. And, you know, it's impossible to be positive a hundred percent of the time. And it's totally okay to have bad days and be negative. Yeah, for sure. Um, 
But you're never, ever, ever going to get better if you're constantly telling yourself, this sucks, I'm never going to get better, I hate my life, you know, thoughts like that just keep you stuck. And it is critically Mm -hmm. important to shift, you know, even if you don't fully believe it yet, right? It's the fake it till you make it. And have those positive positive affirmations. Um, and, you know, I keep some on my bathroom mirror that I look at every single morning, just yeah. as a reminder of what I am grateful for and what I want to bring into my life. So, Amanda, thank you so much for being here today. What a wonderful conversation and an important topic. And I just really appreciate you taking the time to be here today with our listeners. Thank you for having me. And thank you, everyone, for listening. I really hope you enjoyed today's episode. And just another thank you to our sponsor, um, Integrated Brain Centers. You can find them online at integratedbraincenters.com. And a reminder that you can always find previous podcasts on most streaming platforms, such as iTunes, or you can find them at facesoftbi.com. And you can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Amy Zalmer. And also another reminder to join Amy's TBI tribe on Facebook. Thank you for listening. And thank you all for being a part of my journey. Have a great day, everyone. And I'll see you in the next episode.